I remember sitting in the schoolyard declaring Deftones head up was a better song than Blink 182's Damn it by far, but now I've got my own podcast I've come to realise how right I was, I've never been wrong Green Day have never written a good goddamn song And as for decent albums, The Offspring have only ever had one Poker punk beats never ever worked for me Travis Barker servicing the song is a thing I've never seen And I don't think I ever will And as I grow up I remember All the times I Said some innocuous bullshit statement and just stood by it for no reason As our lives change Come whatever Maybe I'll be A prick forever So let's get this pod started. Let's end the debate by starting the debate and then end the debate. And with me is my regular co-host, Psychonaut, but also pop punk expert, Monster Truck Marty. So answer this question. Who is the better band, Sum 41 or Blink-182? Not talking about commercially, who has the most fans, who has the biggest singles. I'm talking about who is the actual better band. Over the course (laughs) of a discography, I might say... Some 41 are the better band. Objectively? Objectively. Who's the better band? Without any influence of what you like or whatever? Purely on a statistical basis? Oh, I thought we weren't going by statistics. Well, if we are going by statistics, maybe it's Blink-182. Because 182 is a higher number <laughs> than 41. Welcome to Bachelor Detriv, where we fuck with our guests. <laughs> you stepped in the octagon and now you're fucked. All your opinions are wrong. <laughs> Let me start by mediating this this panel discussion. <laughs> All right, so Monster Truck Marty, you are you are pro some forty one, uh, uh, which would leave Reese anti everything that you know doesn't have a complicated drum beat to it. Wait, wait, I haven't stated that. Is that your opinion that I hate some forty one? I think after 81 episodes, that's a fucking fact, Reese. Let's be honest, man. Well, Monster Truck Marty, this is the equivalent of you putting on a YouTube video at a party and and going, this is actually good, and then realizing halfway through, do they actually like this? Do you imagine that I like Sum 41's All Killer No Filler? I do not think that you like Sum 41's All Killer No Filler. Mm. Well, I've got shocking news for you. Can you believe I like Sum 41? Can you believe I like some 41? Well, I fucking can't. It's fucking crazy. I'm goddamn 36 old right now. Can you believe I like some 41? Well, I think they write some really good songs. And why the fuck didn't anyone tell me? I fucking love Sum 41. I am all in. It's all I've listened to for two and a bit weeks. They are fucking incredible. They are, it's, it's so good. And if I had heard this before Slipknot, my life would be very, very different. I would probably be successful. Why do you like... So what is it about Sum 41 uh, for... I'll come back to you in a minute, Martin, but for you, Reese, because it's been pretty well known that you weren't a fan of Green Day weren't a fan of Blink-182 so much that we haven't even uploaded that episode. <laughs> and uh, you weren't a fan of Offspring's Americana. So what? what is it about some 41's um, All Killer No Filler that's kind of changed your mind? Because in fairness, it's the same ilk of a band like the other three that you've not liked. So why, why the sudden kind of like, oh, I'm really into this? They write songs? They're not fucking silly? They're not just like, you know, oh, imagine farting out your dick, you know, and then writing a song about that. That is my favourite Blink-182 song, Fart Out Your Dick. It's up there with um, Fuck a Pirate in the Ass. <laughs> I think it was, it was the B-side to that single, wasn't it, Martin? Fart Out Your Dick. I think it was the, C- <laughs> I think it was the C-side to uh, Suck a Tit on a Scooter. That triple vinyl. Yeah, the, the infamous. Yeah, that's cool. Fucking hell, Reese! I thought I knew you, and I really don't. So, <laughs> yeah. Apart from the fact that musically they're accomplished, which you know, I think a couple of Green Day fans and Offspring fans might kind of wonder why you don't think they're accomplished either. But what is it particularly that you find about Sum Forty One 
so different in terms of that kind of frat boy aesthetic. Well, it's not that frat boy. Like it, it's kind of like Fat Lip is is a great song, but it kind of, that's more like Beastie Boys esque with those dueling vocals. And you know, I just found the songs had a really good flow to it. They didn't go silly. The drummer's eyebrows weren't too high. And unlike Green Day on American Idiot, where they would have these good parts, but then just get like distracted or the drummer would hit too hard or whatever it was, Sum 41 just stayed in the moment. And I don't know, changes felt natural, but you're also kind of surprised. I just was really surprised at how good they were. And and I'm guessing, Monster Truck Marty, you can confirm or deny this, their guitarist loves like metal. And so you can hear these little flourishes of metal. Uh, and unlike Nickelback, who were just like, hey, you know our guitarist like Slayer? You know our guitarist like Slayer? It's like, yeah, who cares? We don't hear it in your music and we don't have to. It, it kind of fits with Sum 41. They, I don't know, they, they, they lean into it when it is necessary, but they, they're like songwriting is very varied. Like the, the song Crash on Screaming Bloody Mess, are you aware of that, Monster Truck? So Screaming Bloody Murder is one that I can't actually listen to. Like, that's the one Sum 41 album that I struggle to listen to, just because it sort of sounds like it came out at a time when people's interest in pop punk was sort of waning. There weren't that many uh, bands in the scene that were doing that well. And so somebody in the marketing department of whatever record label they were on, they were like, guys, nobody likes the popular punk anymore. You got to change your sound. You got to come out like the rock stars. Yeah. And they tried to do something different that I, I really don't like on Screaming Bloody Murder. So you talk about that because I know nothing about that album. Well, I know nothing because I called it Screaming Bloody Mess, which is a Melbourne based music forum from 2004. So that's sort of my point of reference. Ah, oh, there's that pre-workout flashback again. <laughs> Don't tell me how to live. So Martin, I would imagine that Psalm 41 was kind of like a natural extension to the punk you were listening to at the time. Because me and Martin kind of are of a similar generation when it came to our music consumption. We had Scuzz or P-Rock as it was before it became Scuzz. Kerrang! magazines before I don't know what the hell's happened to Kerrang! You just fell off the face of the earth a little bit. So you were into say Sponge, which were a British pop, uh, pop punk band. I'm guessing you're into Newfound Glory and stuff. I used to be into Sponge, and I still am because I still <laughs> go to their shows quite frequently when I can. But so was some forty one basically a natural kind of extension to that pop punk world you were part of? I I suppose so, because like you say, Reese, a lot of the stuff that was out was just being really silly of just like, oh, I wanna fuck your mom and while I'm jacking off into a fucking sock, dude. (laughs) And that was like the height of hilarity for some people. With the obligatory song about like, I hope high school never ends and we're friends forever, you know? (laughs) One song. Oh no, someone forgot to bring the tap for the keg. My friends are the best thing about this town, but I want to leave this town while eating pizza, dude. Like that's the sort of theme that I got from a lot of pop punk. But it did seem like... Some 41 were perhaps playing it very, very straight, even though that video of Fat Lip is supposed, like, it comes across as sort of like juvenile with them shaking their face back and forth. It starts off with the what we're all about rap from the Half Hour of Power EP, where they're accosting these shop tenders verbally. I don't know if that's the right terminology to use, but... Yeah, it just seemed like they were just playing it straight and just being like, yeah, we're going to make this sort of music because this is what we like. And I th- I feel like they were sort of picking up on the 1994 boom of punk because when they were, f- I think they formed in 1996 and they started off as a NoFX cover band, which you can sort of hear in Derek's vocals on Half Hour of Power. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a natural extension for them to just be straight laced pop punk rather than stupid (laughs) i still think this shows my limited understanding of what pop punk is because i i think similar to avril lavigne it's not as pop punk as people might think like i would just say it's more alternative rock and you don't want to get bogged down in genres and labels because it's kind of fucking boring i'd like to think that the whole kind of pop punk thing just became a form of lazy journalism 
because people couldn't be bothered calling it bubblegum punk. And I, I understand why something like that would be re- referred to as bubblegum punk, because it's kind of like lively and energetic as opposed to kind of the traditional punk of like the Sex Pistols or the Clash, which had that kind of crustiness to it. So, you know, it was like the kind of punk that you could let your daughter or your son listen to. There might be a couple of swear words there, but, you know, it, it was fine. It was bubblegum. There wasn't anything kind of antagonistic about it. The first time that I heard the term pop punk came from a Kerrang! magazine interview with Newfound Glory, where they were talking to them in the back of their tour van and up on the wall, they had a poster of Britney Spears, and it was like they like pro- obviously fancied her because she was an attractive lady back in the day, and probably still is. I'm probably just doing myself a disservice <laughs> by disparaging probably Britney still Spears. Now she still is, Martin. I can tell you that, mate. She still is. Stunning okay, thanks. Our old Brits. And <laughs> thank you. Dig up, stupid. Can confirm. <laughs> just in case she's got. That money and she wants to come after us. No, you're beautiful, Litigious Britney, no matter what they say. Yeah, that's what they call her. Yeah, so that's probably where it comes from, is like the guys in Newfound Glory wanting to have pop-sounding vocals with like hardcore, like hardcore punk guitars with like, uh, because the guitarist from Newfound Glory had a background in a hardcore band. Uh, so I think that that's what they were trying to attain. So I think that maybe with some forty one, their guitarist being really into metal, um, I think that's the Dave Bach, um influence that comes through, is his influence through metal, and then the rest of the guys listening to uh, No Effects, like they've merged those two sounds together really well. I feel that pop these days has just become a fix to you could prefix pop onto almost anything and it's just a kind of byline for it's more accessible kind of like like pop noise or at least pop for example yeah it's noise music but there's a bit of accessibility to it so I wonder if part of that is also the reason why well there's punk and then there's pop punk oh what's the difference well pop punk's more accessible as a Sum 41 lifer, Monster Truck Marty, have they rewarded you throughout their career? Like, I feel like if you invested in bands early on and you, you put a bit of money in Sum 41, you're like, this is starting to pay some dividends. Like, it'd be like a blue chip stock, you know? Whereas Blink-182 sort of high risk, high return. So, yeah, I feel like some for- like the investment in Sum 41 has paid back in dividends because, like, they're really good showmen. And, I mean... The amount of money that I put into buying some 41's albums before I knew what LimeWire was, before I knew what Napster was, I'd given them a lot. And at this year's Slam Dunk Festival, I got to walk past Dave Brownsound Baksh and he winked at me. And that, <laughs> that is for me payment tenfold. My investment has returned so much. I'm so grateful to them. And Dave, if you're listening, I haven't forgotten that wink. It meant a lot to me. I, I know you remember. I've been winking at you the whole podcast and you haven't even mentioned it. Oh, I, sorry. We, we thought it was just really early, so you still had sleep in your eye. Was there, was there much call in the uh, Reese Pirate treasure trove for uh, some 41 CDs when you were uh, a pirate? I wouldn't have stocked it. It was a case of knowing your market. When I was walking around the Bendigo High School scene with a, a checkboard... Sorry, what's it called? A board uh, with a clipboard. <laughs> checkboard with a checkbook. Cause your mouse found a checks that you raised in cash. <laughs> Have to always get a Fred Durst reference in there, don't we? Fuck you. Know. So as you were walking around doing a, doing market research for what you're gonna burn to CD next. No, I said here's what we've got. There was no like, what would you like? Wait, I'm not gonna start selling the Dresden dolls. Although I could have retired early, probably in 2001. Yeah, so I didn't really offer it because you have to know your market and what you're investing in. And it was a lot of the Slim Shady LP, a lot of Rage Against the Machine, and a goddamn lot of Deftones. But speaking of my youth, I've had an interesting week. And this is all true. As you know, Psychonaut, I've been skating to work a lot. Yeah, you have. And I've been skating a lot, listening to D12 and Sum 41. And last Sunday, 
I fucking face planted so hard, so hard. I split my lip. I like cut up my mouth. My front teeth were sore. I was really worried because I had Invisalign for like a year. And I was like, if I fuck this up, I took my tray out and it was full of blood. I was spitting blood on the footpath. And I was like, this is fucked that I've stacked a skateboard in my mid thirties, mid to late thirties, may I add. On a Sunday morning, I had to get my neighbor to come around and be like, do I need stitches? They're like, no, you're fine. But I couldn't find the cut for ages. You've never seen a person go from like vertical to horizontal to vertical so fast. Like I bounced off the concrete. And for the whole week, I had a fat lip. Whilst listening to the album with fat lip. Can you believe that, boys? Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? It's like skating as a middle-aged man around your block. And then you just fucking face plant and then you get blood. Hold down your shirt and you listen to some 41's fat lip. And, you, and your lips all busted and then you gotta try and hide it from your co-workers and it looks like you had the shit kicked out of you but you actually didn't. You just stacked your skateboard, listening to some 41. Fuck my life. Fuck, you're really giving that auto-tune a workout this week, aren't you, bro? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was fucked because then after the cut healed, it just looked like I had an STD, like, for ages. And I just, at the start, I'm like, maybe people think I'm in a fight club. It's like, no, no, no. You stacked your skateboard, listening to some 41. So... Look, there are so many other music podcasts out there. A lot of uh, middle-aged white males, um, government-mandated to-do music hot take yeah, podcasts. Yeah, we know them. Fucking dear listener, try and find another podcast that goes as deep into their research and as method as we do, skating around the city with a fucking fat lip, listening to fat lip. It looked like a fat lip and then it ended up looking like a herpes. So you went from some 41 to Blink-182 basically into space of a bail. <laughs> Fantastic. And then I farted out my dick. It was crazy. Oh, crazy, man. <laughs> uh, Martin, you've done an absolute service uh, on the run sheet for this album, so I think we should we should definitely kick it over to you for a bit. Take us through Martin's journey throughout uh, All Killer No Filler. Monster Truck Marty goes through the album track by track. <laughs> Director's commentary from Monster Truck Marty. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, when I was listening to this album, there's the first album that I know that you guys love an intro to an album that's called Intro. And this intro is not called Intro. It's called Introduction to Destruction. Are you all right with that, Reese? Can I just derail you as, as is my want? Um, Saturday night, I was in Darwin at a birthday party and they had karaoke. And a guy I'd never met got up and he did the Limp Biscuit version of Faith. And he even said, you know, the get the fuck up and, and then did the scratching stuff. It was cool. And I went up to him afterwards and I was like, oh, Limp Biscuit, man. Yeah, hell yeah. And he go and he started saying that $3 Bill Yo was his favorite album. And I was like, how fucked is it all their songs are called intro? And then the fourth one's called Introbra. And he's like, no, that's actually really, really good. And it's something I miss that they've dropped. And I was, and we had an argument about it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> unimaginative and it's fucking stupid. At least call it crazytown.com or something. Um, I do not like this introduction. I see what they're going for. That Michael Jackson thriller-esque thing. I understand it, but it, it doesn't really fit. Yeah, I didn't think that it fit either because it feels a bit like hey, this is our influence. Like, we like albums that start off like this, so we're going to do it ourselves. But it has no bearing at all on the rest of the album. And it was written by Steve Jocks, the drummer, which I think says a lot because a lot of his stuff is some of the weakest, personally. Although when it comes into Nothing On My Back, that's when Steve Jocks shines because he seems to go hard on those drums. And I am not a drummer at all, so I don't know what good drumming is. But to me, it sounded like Nothing On My Back's drumming was really good. I'll get Dr. Drums in later. I reckon we can finally track him down. He's back from his fourth honeymoon, so we'll get Dr. Drums in on Steve <laughs> Jocks. Uh, is that what he's calling it, his fourth honeymoon now? But yeah, I thought the drums were always good. Even when he like, he ventured into the, that polka punk beat that I fucking hate, 
it was okay. Like it wasn't sped up. It didn't derail the song. I realize I'm the Travis Barker of this podcast, by the way, just doing whatever I want at whatever timing. I'm the Lars and the Travis Barker, and it's a harsh realization before, you know, 6 a.m. And I feel like I'm the Matt Skiba who's come in and nobody really wanted him there to begin with. No, we've got we've had a lot of petitions for Monster Truck Marty and his hot <laughs> Sum 41 takes. Well, I mean, just listening to Nothing on My Back, like, is it a song about having no worries and no cares in the world, but still still feeling a sense of anxiety or depression. Because even though the protagonist has nothing on his back, it's still enough to bring him down. His mind's about to crack, because what he thought could not be found. Is that 20 years early of being aware of mental health? I've always thought some 41 were pioneers in a lot of fields, and I would say yes. I feel like Derek is very in tune with his body, his feelings, his emotions. But that be because they're Canadian and they have a better healthcare system in Canada? No, seriously, I'm not not messing about here, but, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know what, we can be open about things uh, in Canada that I think American people can't be open about. Potentially, it seems like a nicer society to open up. Yeah, I, I would as well. And I think, you know, I think M- Martin's right, you know, with the uh, <clears throat> with Derek being aware that these issues happen like it took blink on 82 what maybe four albums to finally go or maybe three albums sorry with adam's song to go oh shit we should do something serious about things that affect our fan base and i think that maybe some 41 went no we we need to straight off the bat talk about these things you know Maybe that's what I like about Sum 41. There seems to be more of a confidence. Uh, they come out of the gate swing. And this is a good debut, like full-length debut, even though it only goes for 32 minutes. They sort of know who they are. And it's like, this is what we're about. It's not just being like, is this funny? Is this funny? Do you like this? It, it, can, can we go over here now? It's just like, I feel like they just sort of know who they are a bit more. And that could be totally incorrect, but that's what I'm running with. Well, they did start, like, have a song on Half Hour of Power that's called What We're All About. And they did say that it was rock. That's what they're all about. It's what they live for. Come on, shout it out. That's what they were underlying. That's what they were putting it out there for everyone to see. There's some really, really deep kind of like peeling the pop punker onion, you know, into its into its emotionally tearful core right here, isn't it? So that rock me with what's in too deep really about then. Because I thought it was just about diving. But it's 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 a lot more than that. <laughs> We're spelunking rock. That's what spelunking what? Spelunk rock. Spelunking's when you go into a cave, though, is it not? You can still go deep in a cave. As far as I'm aware, Into Deep was the single, and the band were like, "This is obviously the single. This is going to be the first one." Hell yeah! And then they kind of just wrote Fat Lip pretty quickly, and the label's like, "That one, that one." And there's that pause in Fat Lip where. It's like dead air for like a microsecond and the label were like, no, 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 radio won't play it if there's any dead air, which shows how fucking fearful they are of radio listeners. But it's like, if you turn the radio on and there's a second of silence, you're like, well, better keep going. They're such fickle creatures that they cannot have any silence in a song. But true to their guns, fucking some 41 were like, no, no, we are, we are doing this. The label were like, this song was blowing up. Some 41 were unable to play it live because of the dueling vocals and they just couldn't get it right. So they had to practice, practice, practice to eventually be able to play it live. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've heard as well. Because, I mean, uh, In Too Deep has a lot of different guitar work to the rest of the album. Like when you listen to that introductory, palm-muted, not distorted guitar for a pop-punk album, that's a bold move. And the boys, they... They pull it off. I get real big Weezer vibes off that track as well. Like Blue Album era Weezer. Kind of like that earnest, uh, I'm kind of into a girl, but I'm kind of kind of weird. What what am I going to do here? Maybe like what Pinkerton, but Pinkerton was very bleak. But yeah, I, I totally get Blue Album Weezer vibes off Into Deep. And Into Deep's a simple song. Like it's a fun song to play. What What's that chorus got? How many chords is that? Monster Truck Mighty? You're the guitar virtuoso. So there are some songs that have four chords. There are some songs that have three chords. This Crazy. chorus has two chords. A good song's a good song. A good chorus is a good chorus. Although I don't really like motivation. You know, like these songs about like, like where they just rhyme, like words that have a shin at the end, you know? 
such a degradation. You can just do public urination. You can just do it with anything. The words are inconsequential. <laughs> that felt like a filler track for me. I was surprised that they released it as a single. How much better would the album title be if it was like all killer, two fillers? <laughs> some filler, some killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mostly killer, some filler, a little bit of sawdust. But I do, I really hate Motivation from start to finish. That is probably my least favourite track on this album. I don't know about you, Madam, but it feels just like such a fucking throwaway. That what surprises me even more that it was a single, like, oh, we'll just toss this out. Even the music video just seemed very, un, un, you know, uninspired and just boring. Oh, we're playing in an attic. Cool. We're dancing around. Cool. All right. But, like, Fat Lip was just, like, a fucking story about, like, a skate park party that turned into a fireworks party. In Too Deep was basically a pop-punk retelling of Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School. And then you went to Motivation, which was like shit Jumanji. Like, they went up to the <laughs> attic, they went up to the attic, but there was no board game. So it's like, oh, we'll just play around on our instruments then. <laughs> shit Jumanji. Yeah, shit Jumanji. <laughs> That's tickled you, that has, hasn't it? I love it. I love it. I love the, the concept of a movie. It's like, there's a board game up in the attic. They finally summon the courage to go upstairs and they can't find it. They're like, oh, do you just want to play motivation on guitar then? <laughs> I may as well. It's like Beetlejuice. They finally unlock the door and find two rotting corpses, you know? That's the reality of it. It kind of reminds me of that MXPX song, is it Responsibility? Where it's like a bunch of grown men being like, Responsibility? What's that? It's like, fuck off. You- it's so funny when bands talk about this, like, lack of responsibility, and then they're like, what time's soundcheck? And what time we, do we need to finish by? Oh, okay, cool. And can we please make sure our rider is fulfilled because we need these kinds of salted pretzels? <laughs> responsibility! <laughs> we don't give a shit! It's like, fuck off! I got a few more names to put on the door, and I really need to have them put on the door. Responsibility! Pushing it a bit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now... Uh, our merch is going to be forty-five pounds for a shirt, yeah. And how much you you're taking eleven percent? No, 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 that's not going to be good. We'll just no responsibility. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> the amount of times I stood in venues after a set where I was just like, you know, DIY, fucking do whatever you want, be the counterculture, filling in Australian tax hobby forms and putting in my ABN number and all this stuff. <laughs> and be like, now I'll invoice you guys a bit later, but can you fill in this form or trying to find you know the person upstairs who was doing all the invoicing? Covered in sweat and, you know, punk rock cred. Speaking about Fat Lip, though, it is a good song. It is catchy. It's so good that I've based my last week on it. I lack the articulation and the vocab to to discuss it. But luckily, we've got our friend Dr. Drums back, Psychonaut. Now, Monster Truck Marty, are you aware of Dr. Drums? I am aware of Dr. Drums, yeah. Now, he's been on, what, his fourth honeymoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, Honeymoon. So his lawyers have told us to say. Well, he's been with Libby Parsons from Double Jeopardy, but we finally got him back. Let's have a listen to what Dr. <laughs> L- Drums thinks. L- Libby Parsons? Who? From Double Jeopardy, Ashley Judd's character. <laughs> I thought Libby Parsons was a character from fucking Neighbours. <laughs> oh, no, that's Libby Kennedy. <laughs> one, of the, one of the lesser known Kennedy family members. Let's have a listen to what our good friend and your new friend, Monster Truck Marty, Dr. Drums has to say. They call me Dr. Drums. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Drums. I'm interested in drums. I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real drummer. I am an actual drummer. I live like a drummer. I like to play the drums. Hello! It's me, Dr. Drums. I'm back and I'm so sorry. I did have an extended hiatus. I I did have to take a break when I was lucky enough to marry Libby Parsons from Double Jeopardy. We've just renewed our vows for the third time. We try and do it every couple of weeks. Just keep the relationship fresh. And I look, I did sort of dip into the Violence and Sunshine podcast on the My Chemical Romance episode and I did drop into the Refused episode of the Is It Dad Rock Yet podcast. So I'm getting warmed up again to talk about drums. So in all honesty, I just had to pause this recording to look up who the drummer was on this All Killer No Filler by Sum 41 album. Like, not a household name. His name is Steve Jocks. I think I'm mispronouncing that last name, so out of respect of not wanting to fuck shit up, I'm just going to just call him Steve. Now, 
He's drummed for Iggy Pop. He's drummed for Avril Lavigne and Sum 41. And fucking what a testament it is to his great drumming that he isn't a household name. He's not overly flashy. He's not needlessly busy. He just gets in there and services the song, drives it forward. He knows when to sit back. And on a song like Fat Lip, when you have those dueling vocals. Because you don't know us at all. We left with OB before. But what would you expect with a culture so small? Heavy metal and mullet is how we were raised. Maiden and priest were the gods that we praised. Guys, we like having fun at other people's expense. And dreading people down is just a minor offense. And it's none of your concern. I guess I'll never learn. I'm sick of being told the way my Now, our man Steve knows that these dueling vocals need space to be heard. They need space to breathe. So his beat sits back a little bit he has a little bit of flair in there with this open hi-hat rising up but like other than that he just lets them fucking do their job have a listen and once he's got through that and that the song has reached the pre-chorus okay we need to pick up the pace we need to drive it forward a little bit he just does it so seamlessly without drawing needless attention And his drum rolls drive the song forward. And I thought, how lucky at Sum 41 to have a very sensible, mature drummer who listens to the song, knows what it needs, knows when to sit back, knows when to go up, knows when to fucking do a drum roll, and is okay with the spotlight not being on them, not having their tongue sucked side of a basketball court. What would it be like if Travis Barker played drums on Sum 41's Fat Lip? I think it would sound something like this. Call me Dr. Drums And I'm sincerely apologetic That I had to take a little break From this soon to be award winning podcast But I just fell in love And we had to get married And I wanted us to Explore each other's Bodies At a resort in Phuket I like to play the drums Tell me that wasn't Travis Barker playing on Sum 41's Fat Lip Monster Truck Marty. I thought I'd been transported to an alternate dimension where Travis Barker had become the drummer of Sum 41. It was a little bit ahead of the beat, just as he likes it. (laughs) Fucking awful is what it was. Jesus Christ, (laughs) Reese. Why would you inflict that? I'm probably going to lose all 28 listeners that we've accumulated. Throughout the podcast, people nah, are dropping in halfway. 28 of those are like, oh man, fucking hell, I heard that uh, I heard that Monster Truck Marty's on the fucking go, mate. <laughs> oh man. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk's on the fucking podcast? That's where we would have gotten the listeners, man. And then you just fucking trashed everything with Travis Barker. Also... <laughs> I call bullshit on the fact that Dr. Drums has been too busy appearing. He's got time to appear on other people's podcasts, hasn't he? They're paying fees, though. Are you getting a cut of those fees? <laughs> no, I'm not his manager. Oh, okay. I, I just naturally assume I'm just that his confidant. You sound so much alike. I thought there might have been something there. No, but honestly, I just think Steve Jocks, and apparently Monster Rock Marty was nodding. That is the correct pronunciation. Just fucking sits in the pocket, does his job, and then he goes home. Oh, apparently he's writing songs that are dog shit too. Is that what you're saying? That's what I would say, yeah. I mean, the guy is a really good drummer, and 
I do like his vocals when he does them, like especially Pain for Pleasure when it comes to that. He shines there, he's amazing, but then you get stuff like the introduction to Destruction, which isn't necessary. There's a song on the later album, Underclass Hero, that Steve Jocks co-wrote with Derek Wibley that was called Ma Poubelle, that's a French song about a trash can. So yeah, I mean, that's that's the, that's the gamut that he runs. That's the spectrum that Steve-O32 runs on. Do you think, Reese, that Sum 41 worked so well because much like Linkin Park, they allow each other to kind of have their little individual moments and they allow each other to kind of like breathe, you know, across the across their songwriting. Because, I mean, that's something that we noted about Linkin Park was that they all helped each other to become not only just better musicians, but a very well-oiled machine. Do you think maybe Sum 41, and, and this goes out to Martin as well, do you think Sum 41 work uh, so well together that that's why we're very fond of their output? I think, similar to Linkin Park, Sum 41 are an industry full of fuckheads and they themselves are not fuckheads. Or if they are fuckheads, they're hiding their fuckheadedness from people. Whereas bands like NoFX, Blink-182, Limp Bizkit are like, we're fuckheads and we're proud and put your middle fingers up and we don't give a fuck about responsibility. So I, I feel like Sum 41 are just like, no, we're just pretty normal dudes who can play music and, and write pretty good songs and we happen to like these bands, but we ourselves are not fuckheads. And so by not being a fuckhead, you allow other members to to shine a little bit more because you're not worried about constantly being the loudest fuckhead in the room. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because they are all very talented guys and they know when to let the other person go. They know when it's their time to come forward. But I do feel as though there is a hidden fuckhead in Sum 41 in The Bassist because when has anyone ever seen or heard The Bassist do anything? In Sum 41? Yes, not in just bands in general, yeah, in Sum 41. Have you heard of Flea? That guy's going to blow your mind! (laughs) (laughs) But he plays the trumpet as well. There's a bassist in Red Hot Chili Peppers? No. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's got a dick and he'll wave it. (laughs) No, he's the nudist that just happens to play bass. We just started playing music, and then one day this guy just came, and naked as you like, just started playing bass. You know, we thought after Matthew McConaughey with the bongo drums, why not give this guy a go? <laughs> I don't want to psychoanalyze you, Monster Truck Marty, but are you saying because the bass player just gets on stage, does his job, and leaves, he's a hidden fuckhead? Yeah, I feel like the the rest of the band are backstage fucking beating the shit out of him, saying, don't you fucking say a word. Don't do anything. Do not step outside of your bass box, motherfucker. I think that if he were to ever come forward and say anything, then people would be like, ah, yeah, some 41, that band with the fuckhead bassist. Yeah. See, I think if he's listening to those instructions and taking heed, he can't be a fuckhead because fuckheads are always going to fuckhead. Like that's their innate nature. It's like the stingray on the back of the, the fish or whatever and s- stabbing it and they're both drowning. Oh, I don't know if the fish drowned. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Did you just... His big rings with the fish analogy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> to be a fuckhead, maybe you have to be a fuckhead. I'm actually going to be a little bit of a fuckhead here because I, I need to change the tone of the podcast and I actually do need to get a bit serious because we don't have an advert this week. Oh. We do have a PSA and I think the ad the ads are great to sort of um degenerate revenue, get the word <laughs> out on the podcast <laughs> and, and just sort of have a bit of fun and a bit of a laugh. But something legitimately serious has been happening throughout society and I honestly do believe it would be irresponsible to not address it. Hi, I know that on Bacha Death Trip we often have like funny ads and you know it's a pretty light-hearted show for the most part. Uh, we do have our serious moments and, and we, we do have to address something, something that's uh, made its way to us and it would be irresponsible to ignore it, especially in this day and age. We, we've heard of some people out there in the Butcher Death Trip community in the hashtag 35k family who 
still aren't using protection. And I know that's absolutely wild to hear that in 2022, people are still not willing to use protection. Like they know it's out there. A lot of their friends use it. But for some reason, they think they're above it. They think it's not necessary. And it just breaks my my, my heart. And it, it really hurts my mind, to be honest. The fact that people would be using Winamp without any skins at all. Like, you know they're out there. You know they're free. You can have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer one. You could have one that makes your Winamp look like a, a robot. I've seen Star Wars ones. There's a Mario one. I think I used to have a Matrix one. Like, that was pretty cool. And I didn't even like the Matrix. I just don't know why when there's great resources out there, like WinampHeritage.com, Winamp Skin Museum, WinampSkins.info, SkinsBase.org. Like, the information's out there, everyone. You should be well-informed. You should be responsible and you should absolutely be using protection on your Winamp. Please make sure when you're listening to Obsolete by Fear Factory through Winamp that you have a skin on. Look badass, all right? It isn't cool. It's short-sighted. Put a goddamn skin on your Winamp. I really hope we don't have to address this again. It's 2022, everyone. We should know better. Really playing to our audience, aren't you? Well, speaking of playing to our audience, do you want to play a game with me, boys? Yeah, I'll play a game with you. I'll play a game. All right. What did you call me the other week? New Metal Jigsaw? Yeah, New Metal Jigsaw, I believe it was. Cockhead was another one as well. Oi, puppy sighting. Oh, man. Here he is. This is asshole. <laughs> <laughs> my Sum 41 game. Oh, my okay. God. Right. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll give you credit. I'm for this. I'll give you credit, Reese. It's not in Comic Sans. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Some forty-one game. You get to pick who goes for it first, Monster Truck Marty, because you are the guest. But but given there's a song called "Nothing on My Back," I thought, well, I have nothing on my back. I don't have any back tattoos, but other people do. So I've got photos of people with back tattoos. A purely visual game for an audio medium. The, the listeners are going to love it. You tell me who the band or musician is. Okay, Monster Truck Marty, would you like to go first or would you like Psychonaut to go first? Because I'll be honest with you, this is the part that I was looking forward to taking part in the most. I have not slept thinking about this game, wondering what game we're going to have. And I would love to go head to head straight on and just do a buzzer round where we both go. First person to buzz gets to gets to answer. All right, cool. I'll, I'll t- you test your buzzer first, then, Marty. I thought I'm a dick! <laughs> and your psychonaut? Yo! Okay, yep, alright, yeah. <laughs> this is not going to get tedious there. quick. Let's do it! <laughs> Who is this? Yo! Oh, psychonaut. That's Charisma Carpenter. I'm sorry! Marty, for the steal. Alanis Morissette. I'm sorry. That is Amy Lee from Evanescence. Jeez. Of course it is. <laughs> Looks like Lucy Lawless. <laughs> Next one. Yo. No, that was Psychonaut. Sorry, Monster Truck. That is quite clearly a very bad Axel Rose, isn't it? Yeah. yeah! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> one point to Psychonaut. Next one. I thought I'm a dick. <laughs> Monster Truck Marty. That's got to be Green Day, the boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Could you tell by Traco's eyebrows? It was more Billy Joe's token face that he always pulls at every Green Day gig. Like, we've all, we've all seen that. It's like the tattooist just gave up. Like, ah, oh, fuck, you know. We'll do the mouth and everyone can fill in the gaps. I love the fact that the bassist and the drummer are way more detailed than Billy Joe, who's just like a King of the Hill character. It looks like the tattooist was doing it in like a sex shop and was like, oh, what does Billy Joe look like? And he looked over at one of those sex dolls and was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. The bass player looks like a very humble Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) (laughs) 
Humble Lundgren. Humble Dolph Lundgren is in shit Jumanji out this fall. Is that, is that say, Becky up above shit Dolph Lundgren's head? <laughs> or, or does it say body? Is that, what does that Chinese symbol mean? There's a lot going on. Yeah, and I had to crop out the part where it said Green Day coming out of like the, the ash cloud, the mushroom cloud, whatever it's called. Oh, is that what that is? I, th- I thought that was small intestines. Okay. <laughs> Active Archie, here we go. Yo! That was Psychonaut. That's a really bad Metallica. It's like I didn't even realize Max Cavalera was in Metallica. <laughs> Top yeah! right. Oh, is that Metallica? I thought that was yeah, um, fucking I thought that was Jonathan Lin- Davies in the bottom right corner. No, bottom right corner's Lin Manuel Miranda. The the Lars is good though. Lars's face is actually quite good. Psychonaut, you're up by one. Next one. I thought it was Ah, Monster Truck. I only recognize one of them. I don't know why I said it, but I know that that's Buckethead, right? So what's your final answer? Fuck it. Who was Bu- who was Buckethead in a band with? Fuck. Was it Pearl Jam? I'm sorry. Buckethead <laughs> <laughs> was not in Pearl Jam. <laughs> These two bees are recording 600 albums. Psyching up for the steal. Pretty fucking bad Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise known as Pearl Jam featuring Buckethead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Monster Truck Ma- Marty, you are falling behind. Come on, catch up. Here we go. Yo! It's the, uh, <laughs> yes. I don't know his name. Oh, is it Adam Durwitz from Counting Crows? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> is that his name as well? It's the pineapple hair, man. It's the pineapple hair. All I wrote was Counting Crows on my list. Oh, my God. How did you get that? Because of the hair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The hair is the best part. I thought it was supposed to be Darren Malakian from um, System of a Down. <laughs> but, like, the artist didn't know what his hair looked like. When you wanted Brandon Lee's The Crow, and instead you got Adam Dewitt's Counting Crows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, look, they got a, they got a ninja star on, on the back of their elbow as well, so... Mr. Jones is the word for God on every baby's lips. Here we go, next one. Who is this? Oh, God. Yo! That's Elvis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah! <laughs> Fucking... Wow. As I like to... Or, or as that pro- person probably asked for, give me Hawaiian Elvis, and the guy went, ah, oh, Hawaiian, Samoan Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> Marty, you need to get the next... All of them correct, and you'll still lose. I will give you double <laughs> points, okay? Because... So I cannot just run away with this. We've tapped into a new talent of his. If I answer wrong, then I get deducted points. Oh, that's a good. That's good. That'll make it fair. All right. Psychonauts playing with a handicap. Here we go. Next one. Fat up my dick. <laughs> Monster Truck Marty for double points. Is it Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah. yeah. What? What gave it away? The the fuck me now lips. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Elvira. <laughs> Uh, I th- I can't imagine this game is as fun listening to on the podcast as it is doing. Next one. I thought I'm a dick. Oh, you might get the steal here. Monster Truck Marty. That's Marty Cyrus, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I said Katy Perry. That is a very close call. Yeah, that's good. A happy Tilda Swinton. <laughs> You're currently even. This is this is the tiebreaker. The last one. Who is this? Yo! Motherfucking Ben Affleck from motherfucking Phantoms, yo! <laughs> yeah, yeah! Why did he think that tattoo was a good idea? I mean, that that is a lot of sessions as well. That's not just, like, done quickly. That's not a tattoo of the Charlotte Hornets logo on your chest. That is... Dedication. And if he put that much dedication into writing Goodwill Hunting, then maybe we wouldn't give him shit. Are you coming at Goodwill Hunting? No, I'm coming at Ben Affleck. Well, I'm coming to Northman. Northman sucked. June sucked. <laughs> At the end. Congratulations. I'm sorry, sorry, Monster Truck Marty. Your hopes and dreams have been dashed, crushed before you. You've been living for this moment, the game, and you, you came up against the best, and now you understand why he's so revered in the podcast game. I'm just happy to have taken part, really. I mean, I might go home empty-handed, but I go home with a full heart. Thank you. 
I feel like Sakana, you're literally in the middle of us because taste wise, you you don't mind dipping a toe in a pop punk. You don't mind being a little bit silly, but you can also go very very uh, serious. You know, into Deadsy world. In terms of like pop punk, sort of your CD tower, what's at the top? Phoenix TX Latusa, very top for me. Number two. Uh, number two then would be. Was it the Ataris who did So Long Astoria? They did do So Long Astoria. Yes, that's yeah, correct. Even though, even though the lead singer's a prick. And then number three would probably be All Killer No Filler. Wow. Did you get into them through video games or just because you had your socks up high and cargo shorts on? No, I, I got into them because they were heavily rotated on Kerrang! TV at a time when I'd come home from college and I would just consume as much music television as possible. And, you know, Kerrang! would play uh, Fat Lip fucking on the hour, every hour, until people voted it into the most requested. Like, it was most requested for, like, two weeks. I don't want to say it was foisted upon me, but it, it definitely, definitely was predominantly there while I was just waiting around for other music videos. Uh, it did feel a bit like it was some sort of uh, anthem of the time. Like you say, it was most requested for the two weeks. Uh, like it did feel like the anthem of snot-nosed kids being like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I, you I'm not going to do what you want. I'm not going to be part of normal, boring shit that you're talking about. But fuck you. It was a very much a one of those... Anti-authority anthem. Yeah. It was like a nice killing in the name of. Not a shit Jumanji. No, but I, 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 like you said, Reese, like I dabble in it. Is it my most favorite album in the world? No. Is it my most favorite pop punk album in the world? No. But would I see them play live? I, I've seen them play live twice and I've enjoyed them both times. And I, I've got a real soft spot for Derek as well, considering what he fucking went through and he's come out the other side. Good on him. And good on you, Pickle, as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, every interview I heard with Derek, he seemed like a fucking great dude. I've seen them live too at the Download Festival. And I was really surprised that they were headlining their stage. And I was like, Sum 41? Are they that popular? The Fat Lip Band. And then I saw them. I was like, oh my God, they're really, really, really fun. They do put on a fantastic show. Absolutely. They yeah. put on a fantastic show. Like I said earlier, I saw them at a Slam Dunk Festival headlining this year. And they do do a really good job. Like they have really taken to that rock and roll roots with like the big stage presence and the big stage um like animatronics that are there with like satan being there with all of the uh pyrotechnics and stuff and the crowd interactions it's they are really good live performers we all at Bacho death trip and monster truck marty incorporated suggest you guys listen to some 41 and what is the song that people should listen to marty what should people tell their listening device to play for them? They should definitely say, play Sum 41's Heart Attack and don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Lay off the pre-workout. Thank you so much, Monster Truck Marty and Psychonaut. What are we doing next week? Fucked if I know. <laughs> <laughs>